1: Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio of the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. And Chris, we recorded this on Thursday morning. The Mets won last night a nail-by, a a really good game in Atlanta with some not great bullpen pitching, but a a, a Mets win. This is after they lost the first two games of the series while also losing their starting pitchers each to injury after only two innings in each of those games. So things are a little bit weird for the Mets right now. So let's back up to the weekend series against the Phillies. The Mets played three games against the Phillies, gave up one earned run in that entire series, and generally looked like you know, the dominant team that we thought that they would be. Um, then they come into Atlanta. Like we said, Carlos Carrasco got pulled from the game after the second inning after a long rain delay. With a left oblique injury, he is out from anywhere from three to six weeks, depending on which report you believe. On Tuesday, Taiwan Walker left the game after the second inning with back spasms. It appears that is not a major injury. There was nothing on the MRI that was suspect. So hopefully he's missing one, maybe two starts, and then he will be back. And um, the Mets also lost Luis Guillorme and... Uh, Eduardo Escobar to the injured list. Uh, Tomas Nito is on the COVID injured list right now. And due to that, Brett Beatty, one of the uh, top prospects in the Mets system, number two by most uh, rankings, debuted for the team last night and hit a home run in his first ever at-bat en route to the Mets' victory. That's quite the week that the Mets have had. Um, as of this recording, they are still four and a half games up on the Braves, And uh, I just want to get your general feeling for all of that stuff that happened in just
0: a couple of days. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot. But, uh, well, let's see. The the Philly series, it was a little frustrating that they didn't win the opening game only because it was decided with the free runner on second base and extra innings, which I will complain about every time it happens. Yes. yes. Um, And because Scherzer pitched a gem, too. Right, right. And whether it benefits the Mets or not, it's just, it's like anti-baseball to me. <laughs> the whole concept of the sport is that you have to earn your outs or your runs and uh, and just giving things away for free to, I don't know, send the uh, baseball media home sooner on their work night. I, I, it's very annoying to me. Um, so, yeah, that. That was just a little bit of a sour uh, taste, I guess, coming out of that one. But then they, they went and took care of what they needed to do over the next two days. Uh, I would throw in that McNeil uh, got spiked on an awkward play on yes, his thumb. Yes, And luckily has not had to miss any time and, and seems to be managing stitches in his thumb pretty well. Uh, first couple of throws he made after, after that happened the, the, the next day – uh, looked like, I don't know, uh-oh, maybe, maybe he's not going to be able to really throw accurately, but he, he seems to have adjusted and uh, and definitely glad that he's not needing to miss any time for that. So
1: Yeah, it, it, there was something on the broadcast, that I think it was Gary, that said that when Lindor hurt his finger early in the season and basically played through it, that set a tone for the team, and so McNeil... On a, on a team that maybe wasn't playoff bound or wasn't playing the way they're playing right now, maybe he would have, you know, gone to the IL for this, but that he's playing through it. And the only real, like I said, aside from those first couple of throws, the only other thing he's really done is you've definitely seen him, uh, wince when swinging the bat, but overall, it seems like he's doing okay with that thumb.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that that gets you to the Brave series, and uh, I guess one way of putting it is that Braves fans, Braves players, Braves uh, commentators, or or, or beat reporters—I'm not entirely sure who has what role. Uh, in some of those cases, Justin Toscano is the only one that I <laughs> I, I know right. I know what he does because he used to do it. Right, uh, For, covering the Mets. Friend of the show, Justin Toscano. Uh, yeah, but uh, there's been so much talk coming out of Atlanta uh, about luck with the Mets, which is just such a such a cheap thing to try to fall back on or, or, or make an excuse out of when one of your rivals is playing well. I, I mean, I've always found the division rival fans to be annoying. That that's just sort of the way sports. Go, but but this year in particular, it's just been—I don't know. Um, there's been a different feel to Braves fans on the internet, whether it's on social media or in the comment section of our own site, or uh, I don't know. There, some of the things that they're saying spilling over into their starting pitchers' comments after the series where the Mets thoroughly handled them in, in Queens earlier uh, in the month. So, yeah, if if we want to entertain the notion of luck, having two starting pitchers both leave games with injuries and back-to-back games, having thrown a, a, a total of four innings, <clears throat> is uh, it certainly makes things a little bit easier on you. Yeah. And look, uh, the Mets scored one run between those two games as well. Um, obviously, they're capable, like they did last night, of scoring runs in in bunches. And uh, While they're not the home run hitting team that the Braves are, they do have some power. And, and that was on display last night, uh, obviously, with a few home runs, a couple from Marte, uh, and then Lindor, and obviously the the big one from Beatty. Um, So, yeah, I I still feel pretty good about all this. I think the fact that the Walker news was good enough that he doesn't have to hit the injured list helps me sort of just, all right, Peterson slots in for Carrasco. Um, Kevin Williams can
1: slide in for a start or two if need be for for Walker. Right, right,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I certainly like Williams much more out of the bullpen in that multi-inning role and all that, but uh, if if Peterson and Williams both had to make multiple starts, I'd be a little more concerned. Um, but right now, seems like something that they can manage and, and stay afloat with. This weekend will be a little bit interesting just because they have the doubleheader on Saturday and that was already going to be where they dipped in and, and went and got Peterson. Um, so instead of Carrasco, Peterson, Walker for Saturday, two games and Sunday's one game, uh, it is just Peterson. So we'll have to see how they how they approach that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the next McGill exists. Like I don't know if Ho- Jose Buto is that guy <laughs> or Harold uh, Gonzalez
1: or whoever whoever the. Uh you know, the next unexpected call up is.
0: Right, right. But we'll see. And uh and yeah, I, I I still like where this team is. I still like the way they're playing. Um I would definitely feel the best about their chances going into October if obviously everybody was healthy. Um you know we know with the schedule having come out for the playoffs, that there are some travel days, uh, travel days slash off days that have been eliminated from certain rounds, so somebody like Carrasco could be more important than he would have been in a normal playoff schedule year, where maybe you'd be looking at trying to make every start either Scherzer, DeGrom, or Bassett. Right. Um. So yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, see. I, I did. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I don't I don't think he'll uh, be back in two or three weeks. But I hope he's able to make a couple starts in mid to late September uh, with the playoffs on the horizon. Yeah, that's
1: essentially my thought with this, too, is, look, the, the Mets are in a position now. Do I wish their lead was still ten and a half games? Absolutely, I do. But the schedule eases up for the Mets pretty soon and September's schedule is going to be so so easy for them and you know they only have four more games head to head with the Braves so it seems to me like the the division is not quite locked up I'm not going to say that but the division is the playoff role is more or less locked up their their playoff odds are crazy high on fan graphs right now. I think they're still over 98% certain to make the playoffs right now so you know I'm not super concerned about them making the playoffs I want them to win the division because I want the buy, etc etc but things are looking relatively positive for the Mets right now as you know especially with the Walker news coming back good you know David Peterson start every fifth day is not ideal but it's not the end of the world either I, I think all of us were expecting Peterson to be a part of this rotation you know, in a world where they don't where they didn't go out and get both Bassett and Scherzer, I think both of us had sort of penciled in Peterson as a starter in this you know in this league, and so that's okay to get you know five ten whatever starts we're going to get from from uh, Peterson right now. My my only concern with Peterson is there was this thought that I don't think was ever really going to work about making him. A, uh, a bullpen piece for the playoffs and I, I don't like the idea of him starting games until September 15th and then trying to transition into a bullpen piece um, but I never really thought that was going to work for him he has not shown great success out of the bullpen uh, in the majors so I don't like I said that's a, that's a a small a small detail to consider with all of this but if Carrasco can come back the last week or two of September make a start or two and then be available you know, for the team in the playoffs, that's that's a good outcome. And if he can't, that's a real bummer because I like Carrasco a lot, but I don't think that that necessarily is the world's biggest problem for the team in the playoffs. As you said, you really, in a traditional playoff format, you only really need three starters most of the time. And so the Mets can get by mostly with, DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett. And I think Walker has shown enough this year. I mean, yes, Walker has had a couple of very bad starts this year. But if you take, and I know this is, I hate when people do this, but here I am about to do this, if you take those bad starts out and look at just sort of his consistency over the course of the year, I think that's a very, very, I, I, I think that that's not a scary thing at all to have Carrasco as one of your guys in the play. I mean not Carrasco Walker as your fourth option in the playoffs. I think that's absolutely fine for uh for your team going forward. I, th- I think that's okay. So, I'm not super concerned about that, you know. I'm a little bit concerned about the infield depth behind with and Escobar on the IL like, you know, no offense to uh to Marrero or to uh what is the name of that catcher? Is it Smith? <laughs> uh, uh, what, uh, Michael Perez, Perez. There we go. I don't know why yeah, I had yeah. Smith in my head. I uh, just totally out of there. But like no offense to those guys, but those guys are not the answer here. And I think there was a lot of anger from the Mets fandom that Beatty and Francisco Alvarez were not called up in that instance. And I think you know Nito will be back soon enough. But if if Nito and or um, McCann don't have strong starts to September. I I still think calling up Alvarez is the best move in that in that instance. Um for a, for a bunch of reasons. Uh you, you, not just because um not just because of his, you know, that he is hitting the cover off the ball and he's top prospect and all of that. I just think that for this team right now when you get to the bottom of the of the lineup, the catching spot is such a glaring hole. To extend that lineup with Alvarez would be a really good thing. You're also bringing him into a position where he doesn't have to be the savior of the team. He would just be another cog in this in this lineup. I think that's good for a young player. And, um, you know, I, I, there was a lot of talk in the Amazing Avenue slack about, you know, if you don't trust Beatty to come up and be good because you're afraid of sending him down. Then when are you ever gonna bring him up, right? Like every player, not every player, many many players from Willie Mays on down have come up the first time, not been successful, got sent back down, and then came back back up and been very good. So if you're not willing to give the, uh, if you're not willing to give the benefit of the doubt to your young prospects that they can handle rejection if they don't do well in the first couple of weeks, then I don't know what you're. Minor league plan is in general. I just, I just don't get that. So I'm happy to see, you know, Beatty come up and do really well in his in his first assignment. But until you bring up Alvarez, and or get Guillaume or uh, Escobar back, I am a little bit worried about the uh, the Mets bench depth right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very reasonable thing, and we just have to hope that we don't see too much of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I keep wanted to call him Eli Marrero,
1: former Mets catcher, but that is not his name. Uh, yeah, that is his uncle, though, right? They were, I believe I they so. Yes, yeah. On
0: the broadcast, yeah. Uh, the 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 Mets connection you never knew. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino
1: style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then I, I just wanted to sort of uh, quickly get your take on um, the. Uh, the potential of a rainout today, I know that the rainout seems like it would be a, a beneficial thing for the Mets because it would push um, it would push DeGrom to Friday in Philadelphia. It would eliminate probably the need to use Williams or Peterson. You could use, Willi- you could use one of those two pitchers instead of both of those pitchers in the doubleheader. Um, but then you are traveling back to Atlanta at some point to play that one game but do you have any sort of uh big
0: feeling about that mm, i mean i want the game to happen selfishly <laughs> mm-hmm. i want them to have to face the grom after losing and uh hey look they to their credit when sharza ran out of gas they took advantage of that and they, they made that game close last night and then did again when the mets extended the lead late um but, yeah, I, I obviously I don't want to see, for the third time this week, a Mets starting pitcher have a start interrupted by a rain delay. Right. Uh, that would not be ideal, especially since they're being pretty careful with DeGrom. And it, it, I'm not saying they should be having him throw 120 pitches every night, but I do kind of hope that we see a bit more out of him. Uh, He's been fantastic, but just I don't know. I don't think he has to be limited to seventy something pitches forever. Uh, if if he's feeling good, which it looks like he is, and uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I'd love to be able to tune in tonight and watch, listen, whatever, as as Degrom does his thing against the Braves and uh, and gives the Mets the opportunity to walk out of there with the same five and a half game, uh, leading the division that they came into the series with. And, and, uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit ahead of the five game series and, and the Mets took four out of five in that one, which was huge. But, um, any of these head to head series, as long as nobody's getting swept, the standings don't change that much. Right. Um, so the Mets have already avoided that, but I would love for them to get the split and, and, Hey, all right, Atlanta, you now have four fewer games left in the schedule to try to make up that five and a half. And that that would be a win. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, also, it, it lines things up. If they play tonight, the DeGrom gets enough rest. Uh, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Yeah. Yep. He'd have enough rest that he could pitching one of those Yankee games. And as much as they are struggling, uh, I still think they're a very good team. And being able to use your two best pitchers against a very good team around this time of year is always a good thing. So, um, yeah. Don't rain in Atlanta, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Um, but, yeah. uh. Throwing Degrom and Scherzer against the Yankees, and possibly sweeping the four games against the Yankees is just. I know it doesn't really matter. I know the Subway Series is it's much ado about nothing. But if they could sweep the uh, the Subway Series, that would be that would just be fun for the people that we encounter in our day to day lives who are Yankee fans who like to mention how LOL Mets every single thing that happens to the Mets is. So if the Mets can get their two best starting pitchers against them, that would be a lovely thing. But anyway, I think that's it for the baseball. Let's have a good weekend of of Mets baseball. And Chris, what is your music pick for this week?
0: So we had the opportunity. Courtney Barnett is doing this uh, touring festival called Here and There. And it's it's a pretty cool concept. The the show we saw there were three other bands uh some of the other shows there are a bunch more and and it sort of varies based on location and everything and i I think there's a few shows left all of which are in the midwest to west coast um maybe all west coast at this point but we had the chance to catch it upstate um over the weekend and there were uh as much as I come out of that with, like, Courtney has the best, and I want to just recommend one of her records every week until I run out for the next <laughs> three, uh, I'll, I'll avoid a repeat recommendation. You know, it, it, that might come around again at some point uh, for her. But uh, Hannah Vu was the first band who played uh, that show that we saw. And her most recent full-length record is called Public Storage. came out in 2021. Uh, and she was just really good live. Um, always like when you go and see you know, opening bands and they're good enough to catch your attention. And and she definitely was. Um, so I can't say I'm as familiar with the songs uh, as some records that I've recommended to really give the uh, shout out to specific ones on the record. But I did listen to the record after seeing the set. I liked it a lot. Um, she can play guitar really well. She can sing really well. Fun to watch. Um, you know, just solid, solid music, and and always good to uh, to find somebody new who you who didn't really have any exposure to before. So, yeah, Hannah Vu, uh, Hannah H A N A, Vu is V U, and the record is Public Storage. Very nice.
1: Very nice indeed. So, uh, tonight I am venturing to the wilds of Brooklyn to see a, uh, a friend of mine play a show, and I'm going to recommend one of his records. Uh, his name is Reed Paley. He is a, uh, he, he was a, a Pittsburgh, he, he was in a band that started out in Pittsburgh and moved to Boston in the mid 80s, uh, called The Five, a four piece called The Five, because why not? Mm. And, um, he has released three solo records since then. I found him by seeing him open up for Frank Black or The Pixies a number of times. And um, Frank Black once described this music to me as like being... Like he only uses a hundred words in all of his songs. Everything is like the most distilled, pure form of like rock and roll, but not taking it in... It's like blues. It, 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 Reed Paley plays music as if the blues never lost its like dominance on the influence on rock and roll. It's kind of hard to describe until you hear it, but Reed has this great sort of damaged voice that he sings with. He plays a 1955, I think, Gretsch guitar through this nice old Fender amp too and just, just with an upright bass and a trap drum set. It's just a really, really cool throwback and i'm gonna recommend his his most recent record which actually now is 15 years old but it's called approximate hellhound and um i'll specifically recommend the song stay a while the last song on the record um but he has not played live in a number of years due to the pandemic and some other things so tonight is his first show i've seen in probably a decade and so i'm really excited to go check him out um he just reissued his his debut record, which is called Lucky's Tune, on uh, vinyl for the first time. And so um, definitely, if you're looking for something physical to get, get the Lucky's Tune vinyl. But my favorite record of his is Approximate Hellhound. It's the one where I think the trio sounds the most like they sound live and just, you know, just a really, really quality record. And I, I really hope he gets another record out soon. Um, but yeah, so that's mine. Approximate Hellhound by the Reed Paley Trio. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. We are. Uh, I I don't want to speak for Chris too much, but I I'm really enjoying podcasting while the Mets are good. <laughs> yeah, I Ooh. I think that's fair. <laughs> We've had a couple of years where it's uh where where it's not necessarily you know the uh the case, and so it, it is fun to be able to have have good teams to talk about. And so let's let's keep that up. Um, please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets news, reviews, analysis, etc. And hopefully we can uh, we can keep this train rolling on into September. You can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever there are podcasts to find, you can find this show please rate review and subscribe wherever you do find it that stuff helps us out quite a bit i am on twitter at brian App. chris is on twitter at chris mcshane and until next time let's go mets